All right, here we go. Another edition of BMAP's podcast. Um, I'm Alf at home, still. You're Matt at home. Still. Still. And uh, I think this is episode 18? I think we're up to 18, yeah. Still no theme music, which we kind of made big talk about early on, but it hasn't come to pass, so, you know. Yeah, I was going to give... I was going to give kind of like a mid-season report on the map, but, I mean, maybe we should just start with ourselves, right? <laughs> we are, yeah, we're at the midpoint of our first season, our rookie year. So, yeah, yeah we yeah. probably just evaluate. I think uh, we need to get an updated logo, and I think we need theme music. We're going to get this done Yeah. before the end of the year. We're going to figure this out for the end of the season, but, actually. But give us credit. Give us credit for consistency. You know, we keep showing up in your podcast week yeah. after week. So that's, yeah. that's good. And, uh, you know, crack reporting. I, I think we're really right up there with some of the, the best yeah, reporters out there. I don't know about the reporting, but the, the analysis, okay. I think, is, is on par okay. with, with anybody enough. else. You know, I, I think... Uh, um, all right, so where do we start? Uh terrible loss. Should we go over? Yeah. Yeah. God, that was Detroit. a that was a little surprise on one end it was surprising because we've been playing well, but you know, it it comes down to rebounding sometimes. Like if 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 the front line is strong, we tend to uh just look completely different. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Yes, I mean, Boston is a good team, but they are a bad rebounding team. And I was at yeah. the game Monday night, and they... Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, and, um, you know, the Mavericks were able to keep them off the boards and, and get some extra possessions for themselves. And, you know, Carlisle did a great job, you know, not to get too deep into that game, but getting Isaiah Thomas in pick-and-roll situations where he was always guarding Dirk after the pick-and-roll. I saw that. And, I, I yeah. love that. It was... It made me think of what a great chess match a finals matchup would be between Brad Stevens and Rick Carlisle. Because those two are just, they love the, the, the chess match, the, the strategy, the uh, adjustments. It would be amazing to watch. Yeah, and it was a fun game the other night. If Maverick, Maverick kind of just went cold in the fourth quarter, just couldn't make yeah. the basket. And then, yeah. You know, Isaiah Thomas kind of took over. That was the thing. He was giving up twos to Dirk, but then on the other end, he was hitting threes and doing whatever he wanted. So it really didn't didn't ultimately hurt the Celtics. But, yeah, that, that was kind of the difference, I think, between the two games. You know, anyone who was surprised that Detroit was kind of able to come blow us out, they had, they had three guys with double-digit rebounding totals. And, I mean, they won the, the rebounding margin with something like 20 or more, and I mean, by halftime especially, when it was a 27-point game, the rebounding numbers were just absurd. Detroit wasn't even playing that well, but they just got second chances, and the yeah. Mavericks really just had one shot at the other end. Yeah, so that puts us, uh, let's see, were we one and three or two and two? Let me two see. and two, yeah. We had the upset yeah. against uh, Utah, the big comeback right. game at home. Last and I predicted, Thursday, which was, I predicted the big loss, but I think that was a reverse jinx. I'm for it. <laughs> and then uh, they hammered Orlando Saturday night. I mean, that really wasn't much of a game. Yeah. And then, you know, played played a competitive game against the Celtics. And then just a real stinker outside of, like, the third quarter when the Mavericks sort of came alive and got back in the game. 
Yeah, and going back to Boston for a second, they're a real puzzling team because I I I still walk away from them just kind of like as deep as they are, I don't love any of their players, you know? Well, and I think Danny Ainge probably feels that way. It's, <laughs> they have a good team. They have a good coach. But I think Danny Ainge and some of their fans probably still look out there and think, you know, is, is Isaiah Thomas being your best guy the formula to winning a championship? Now, they're the – I think they have the fifth or sixth best record in the NBA right now. So, I mean, they're up there, but – in a seven-game series against LeBron, which is what they're going to ultimately have to face, or yeah. you know, or the Wizards or something like that, like, it, it, are are they good? I mean, are they, you know, okay moving forward? So it'll be interesting to see if they try to make a move or if they kind of count on, I mean, they're going to have the number one pick or, or something in the top three with Brooklyn kind of running away with that spot. Yeah, I agree. I, I think um, I like the Wizards roster a lot better than the Celtics roster. Um, the Celtics are primed for like a three-for-one, four-for-one type trade where they just give a bunch of pieces to get a Paul George or Jimmy Butler. and You know, I've got yeah. nothing against the Celtics. I, I hope they do something because, uh, yeah, I, I even Al Horford didn't even look that great to me. I was like, eh, you know, he... I know he's a great player. Maybe he just doesn't work with that team. I don't know, but nothing I think about they have that a team. lot of guys. You know, they're, I'm going to steal one of your theories, okay? And it's uh, it's your old plus one theory. And that's, yeah. you know, you look at the Mavericks roster and you look at the Celtics roster, and some of the guys in the Celtics roster are kind of current Mavericks players plus one. You know, yeah. it's like, all right, uh, they've we've got Dorian Finney-Smith. Well, we've got Jay Crowder, who's priced a little better. You know, yeah, not appreciably better. Yeah. And so they have is. this roster of like eight or nine guys. It's like, oh, that's, that's a good player. That's a good player. Now, they're a little younger. I think they, you know, probably have a – and obviously all the draft picks ahead of them as well. But, um, yeah, they're kind of in that same boat of you look at this Mavericks roster and – Okay, are we good with is Harrison Barnes our guy? Like, is that our top guy, or is yeah. the top guy somewhere out there? Yeah, exactly. Like, I I would be very scared to be you know pay Isaiah Thomas twenty four million a year, like or twenty five, whatever the max is going to be this summer. And uh, right. I think he's a great scorer. I, I don't know. It's just uh, how long can he keep this up? I know the spacing, the way the NBA is played right now, it, it definitely favors him, but. Gosh, that's a big commitment. Like, I feel better about a Harrison Barnes in that regard than uh, than Isaiah Thomas, you know? Well, yeah, it's almost like uh, Yogi Ferrell. Like, all right, great, we signed him for two years, and probably I don't even know what the terms of the contract are, but if they had come out and said, hey, we're going to max out Yogi Ferrell, I think everyone would have been like, hey, this is okay, this is a good run. And Isaiah Thomas has <laughs> had a demonstrably better run than Yogi Ferrell. I'm not trying to directly compare the two, but... I think in both cases, fans are sort of watching it, waiting for it to just sort of run its course rather than this is a guy that, that we're going to build around for a long time. Yeah, I agree. And I wouldn't be surprised. If, I, I would guess that Ainge is very open to trading pretty much anybody on that roster, including Horford, Isaiah Thomas, or Jay Crowder, just to get a uh, a legitimate two-way star, you know? 
Yeah, I think outside of some of the younger guys they have, like, you know, Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown, you know, the, the newer guys, I think that, yeah, I think anybody is up for And even those guys, I think, are in the right deal. But I think he probably values the younger guys a little bit more right now than... Oh, yeah. I would say he would value... He probably values Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart more to some degree, especially Jalen Brown, just because he's so young and, and his potential is just so undefined right now versus... uh you know, an Isaiah Thomas, you kind of know what he is, as good as he is, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's uh, let's get into these maps here. I thought, uh, I thought it'd be fun this week. We've got a long break. We've got the All-Star game this weekend. We've got uh, our two representatives being Mark Cuban and Wes Matthews. So... I'm set record on the celebrity game tonight, so I'm excited to see how Cuban does out there. Yeah. Um, and then I'm wondering, the only question I have about All-Star Weekend is Wes Matthews going to do the bow and arrow after every three-point make in that contest? Yeah, that would be that would be terrible. That would be completely embarrassing for me. <laughs> I, have to... I think that would be a great bit. Like, if he only got to, like, ten shots, you know? <laughs> because he's kind of doing this thing after every one. And it's, it's like, like over for five. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the second rack. He's made three shots, and the buzzer goes, you know. Like, yeah. he doesn't understand the concept at all. He's just... <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know. I think Wes... I'm rooting for Wes to win the whole thing, just represent, yeah. you know. Maybe that'll help his no trade doubt. value. Who knows? But, uh... We'll get to Trace later. Uh, let's first, let's talk about what the Mavs did right for the first half of this season. Um, I'm going to start with leaving Barnes at the four. I think that was a move. Uh, you know, Dirk went out early. Barnes flourished early at the four. And they didn't mess with it much. They just kept it rolling. They immediately moved uh, Dirk to the five. And... uh I think it's been a really good adjustment uh, for both players. Um, I, I could see, you know, Dirk, he's always been a defensive liability. So what's new at center if he's a liability there? But, um, you know, like the other night, he's he's been on a great run. And the other night against Andre Drummond, I mean, I think he had 24 points. He was just, he was just, uh, Drummond was kind of lazy on defense and he was totally taking advantage of him. So I think it's worked out. Uh, for both guys, uh, I have talked a lot about Barnes and how impressed I am with his efficiency over the season. I don't have to get into that again, but he has by far been just a pleasant surprise for the year. Like, uh, I feel like we have somebody to build around. And when we uh, go after free agents, they could legitimately look at our team and be like, you guys got one solid piece there. So uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the Mavericks have done a great job and, and credit Rick Carlisle for this, but, you know, with all the injuries and as bad as the season started, they did, because of the injuries, stumble upon, you know, more than a few things. And I think most importantly, to your point, is that Barnes playing the four is much more effective. Yeah. And uh if Dirk had been healthy right off the bat, you're probably seeing Barnes at the three and and who knows what we think at this point of his performance so far. You know, maybe it's not as good. Uh, I don't know. They probably would have figured out Bogut and Nowitzki weren't going to work together anyway. But yeah. I think Dirk getting hurt early on, you know, 
really kind of sped that along, and we really saw Barnes first have to do more. You know, there wasn't this sort of deference to Dirk. He wasn't even there to defer to. So yeah. he had to do more, and, and he has. And, yeah, I mean, we've, we've said enough, I think, about how great Harrison Barnes has been. Yeah, yeah. And the second thing I think they did right, uh, a lot was made of losing that first rounder to uh, in the Rondo trade. But, uh, you know, to recover and essentially get – what I think are first-round talents in Dorian Finney-Smith, Yogi Ferrell, both undrafted free agents. And then I still like A.J. Hammonds in the second round. Um, those are three young pieces that um, I think will have NBA careers. I, I, I don't know where they are, if they're starter material, if, if they're bench material, but to find three legit NBA players from having essentially one second-round draft pick uh you know a lot of criticism to the Mavs but they did really good in that regard uh talent wise well and just to speak directly to that trade I mean we have Dwight Powell and and while he's probably you know he's better than Rajon Rondo and maybe people miss Jay Crowder but I think uh Powell's become a rotation guy for us and we've seen him really um you know come in and and make some plays I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar but I don't think there's any doubt, like those other guys you just said, he's, he's going to have an NBA career. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, that was another point I was going to make, too, just sticking with Powell and Justin Anderson throughout their ups and downs. You know, Powell may never be more than a like an overpaid Brandon Wright for all we, we ever see, but uh, they're sticking with him. They believe in him. He's starting to hit a shot a little more, and... um you know, that says a lot. I think Carlisle really struggles with his sort of doghouse mentality and uh, letting guys screw up. Uh, but And Justin Anderson and Powell do that plenty. They definitely have visible confidence is- issues as you watch them on the court. But uh, I think I spoke two pods ago about uh, Justin Anderson. I think despite his erratic minutes, I think he's... Um, his jump shot's a little better. He's not cocking it back as much. And uh, I think, was it the Utah game that he came in and just kind of just uh, started, you know, the momentum going our way with just some defensive play? I forget which game it was. Yeah, no, it, you're exactly right. It was the Utah game. He had two points. He had that tipped dunk off the free throw. And yeah, that's right. And Yogi Ferrell got the steal on the next play. And so, like, Within about 10 seconds, we had scored five points and moved to within, like, six points. You know, we cut their lead in half or something like that. But, yeah, yeah, he got after it on the defensive end. And, really, he talked about after the game, you know, on the trip back from wherever they were last week, how how Dirk kind of pulled him aside and kind of got after him a little bit and told him that that even if his shot's not falling, he's got to, you know, bring the level of effort that he had last year. And that was really what everyone loved about Justin Anderson was, yeah. you know, pretty good athlete, but also just like he got in there and it was just the energy level just skyrocketed when he was in the game. And yeah. uh, I think I think that's what, you know, his teammates are trying to tell him to, to stick with, even if, like, he's not knocking down shots. No, I agree. And then um, – the other thing I think they've done right, which we've spoken about as well, is just uh, not only finding Seth Curry and signing Seth Curry to such a cheap deal, I think it's two years, six million, 
But, um, you know, they're playing him, and they're playing him a lot, and they're letting him develop, and they're playing him at the one, they're playing him at the two. And, again, you start looking at these this team and the young players, it's a nice collection of players, you know? When you're, when you're looking at Barnes, Finney Smith, Justin Anderson, Curry, Yogi Ferrell, I mean, those are five guys right there. Um, Powell, six. It's very Celtics-like where you've got like five of the six of those guys might not even be starters, <laughs> but they're good players and they're NBA players. And, um, you know, I think a year ago we were looking at this roster and, and we couldn't even find an asset, a tradable asset, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so that's shifted considerably. And that's worth noting because uh, it's just easy to pick apart something like the Rondo trade that was just a complete swing and miss. But um, they've actually recovered well from, you know, if you look at the starting point of just not having much to work with. Yeah, and if you think about the last – since the championship year, every year we've had this dramatic roster turnover – and yeah. I think this year, and sometimes out of necessity, just because do we want to keep these guys around? You know, there's a lot of veteran guys who are just here for a short time, and, and we knew that coming into it. And I think the something about this year is, one, we're seeing a lot of these young guys play and, and get better. But I think also it's like most of these guys are going to be back next year, at least contractually, you know, barring some sort of trade, they're going to they're going to be around. So. Um, that's also kind of interesting. You know, you mentioned the Celtics and yeah, these guys are, are pretty good right now. And with another year of development next year, we might be talking about even more valuable assets. And, um, yeah, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast just a little while ago and, uh, Sean Grandy, who's the Celtics, um, radio announcer was on there and talking about how a few, two years ago, the Celtics were the fifth worst team in the NBA and now wow. they're the fifth best. They're the fifth best team in the NBA now. Yeah. And it's really been through some, some pretty good trades and some, you know, signing. And then their one big signing was really Al Horford. Yeah. So, you know, it just takes a couple years and, and collecting some guys. And if the Mavericks come out of this season with, you know, some, some great player development and a top 10 pick, then yeah, you, you can see some real good improvement here in Dallas pretty quickly. Yeah, and I mean, to their credit, you know, past two years they signed Barnes and Wes Matthews, and those are two solid starters. So uh, free agency right. has not gone as planned, but it hasn't gone terrible, you know. And so that being said, what have the Mavs done wrong this year so far? Um, go ahead. You had, well, you had the first point, I think, here. Yeah, I think uh, Bogut. I think, however you want to phrase it, <laughs> but not trading him sooner, maybe getting a little too cute with uh, what they deemed as trade value uh, really blew up in their face. It would have been, I think, much easier to trade him in the first six weeks of the season when they were uh, probably looking at the numbers and how he worked with Dirk. And uh, I think they just kept banking on him getting healthy and, and being a commodity and getting the first rounder out of it, and it just never materialized. Like I, I would still love for that to happen. Um, I just think they're just going to wait till the very last minute and just 
take what they could get for him, which will likely be an expiring contract or a second rounder, you know, and that's, that's disappointing, you know, it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's one of those things that you could second guess all day, but we're just talking about what went wrong this, this first half of the season, and that definitely did not go right. <laughs> well, and I think the thought behind him coming here was that we were actually going to be competitive, competitive when we're healthy, yeah. and... Dirk went out almost immediately, and Bogut was not far behind. And so immediately our front court was was just decimated. And then by the time, you know, the few games we finally saw them play together, that's when it was like, well, this isn't working. And, oh, by the way, we're already, you know, X number of games out of the playoffs. And, you know, best were the the eighth seed. So it's like I think because the, the early part of the season went so poorly, and yet there was still this thought that, well, when we're healthy, we can be competitive and get back into it. You know, the plan coming into this year was never to tank, at least not intentionally. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of happened that, that we're just not very good. But a lot of that was, was injury-related. So I think, yeah, you're right. There was definitely a couple moments where I thought they could have flipped him for a first-rounder. But I think, and I don't know what talks were out there at that time, but... Um, you know, he came back against Detroit the other night. He had like, you know, seven or eight rebounds. Again, the Mavericks are a bad rebounding team. So if he gets after, you know, him just getting the lion's share of very few rebounds is not exceedingly impressive, but still yeah. got in there and rebounded a little bit. And, um, you know, if he can stay healthy over the next, and really actually no, that's the one game he'll play before the trade deadline. Yeah. Next Thursday is yeah. the deadline. So you're right. Yeah. So, so there won't even be another chance to really display what he can do. But if it's another week of rehab and somebody feels good, somebody out there feels good about his health, then yeah, yeah maybe we get a second rounder or something for him plus an expiring. I, I guess we'd have to take on some sort of expiring contract, right? Uh, yeah, most likely because the team would be a contender that would take them, and they would probably. I still think the Celtics are most likely because they're feeling like, oh, maybe we can get the number one seed. Maybe we could improve our rebounding. Let's just give them a – I mean, they have so many picks, they don't even need them at this point. So, I don't know. And I, I think someone it, like Amir Johnson would probably match salary-wise, and I think they're both yeah. inspiring, right? Right now, it's Amir Johnson or Tyler Zeller would be uh, yeah. the two easiest. Zeller has a buyout next year that makes his contract like an expiring. So that mm-hmm. might be intriguing just to get another young guy in here. I would be very happy with the Tyler Zeller, not as much with an Amir Johnson. But, yeah. um, you know, regardless, I'm not, I'm not hung up on it, you know, as long as we just keep playing the young guys is, is really what it comes down to. Yeah, and my point, you know, when we kind of talked before the show about what the Mavs have done wrong, I think going forward – they, strangely, they've done a lot of things right with this roster. They're just not re- very talented. So I think Mavs fans in general shouldn't be too frustrated with this season just because the, the roster as it's presently constructed was not going to be uh, a great team. But I think moving forward, the one thing I'm fearful of is possibly, you know, J.J. Barea coming back healthy. And between Barea and Darren Williams, you see Yogi Ferrell's minutes go down. Yeah, and I agree. I'd, I'd, I'd rather see Farrell and the other young guys just continue to play big minutes just because let's just look to the future. And 
again, I, I love Berea. I'm not as fond of Darren Williams, but I, I recognize he's a good player. But yeah. between those guys, it's like I would hate to see them just start eating up minutes and, you know, for the sake of contending for the eighth seed. Yeah, and just to follow up from last week's uh, speculation, uh, Carlisle ended up starting Darren Williams. He did not. He did not leave Yogi Ferrell in there a la Jason Garrett. And, uh, right, that's right, yes. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, I wish Rick Carlisle coached the Cowboys and Jason Garrett coached the Mavericks because uh, <laughs> I, I would have much preferred <laughs> Romo back in and Farrell starting. So I guess I guess we can't have it all, unfortunately, but uh, it is what it is. Um, any Anything else we could think of that the Mavs have done wrong? Considering the hand they were dealt, yeah, I think that's the big uh, the big caveat there. I mean, considering the hand they were dealt, I, I don't think so. I, I feel like this has gone about as well as you could expect. And considering at one time this team was something like four and seventeen, the yeah. fact that since then they're playing above five hundred basketball. Yeah, think yeah. about that. If not for the injuries, this team is above five hundred and pretty well in hand would have that that eighth spot and maybe be in the mix for seven or six. Yeah, I agree. And um, I, I prefer where we are now. It, it's actually because we're, we're generally in every game. I mean, even in that Detroit game, we came back to make it interesting. Yeah. In the fourth. Yeah. And so, and then you're playing young guys. You really can't, can't ask for much more in terms of just team building. And so, um, so yeah, I agree. It's actually worked out really well as a as a season, just for a uh, on a spectators on the spectator end too. Yeah, I agree. All right, so uh, wrapping up here, I I uh, I have a trade proposal I'm going to reintroduce that I introduced okay. earlier in this year. Okay. Um, it's real simple, and it's just with uh, all the murmurs going on these days. Uh, if Moutier really is available, um, would you just straight up trade Mavs first round pick for Emmanuel Moutier? So when you proposed this a couple of weeks ago, I think my answer it was, was actually much earlier. I think it was more than a month ago. <laughs> yeah. And I think I was a little bit hesitant just because of that top five pick and, and the prospect of who might be there. But now it looks like the Mavericks I can see where they're trending, and, and I think we're just going to be playing pretty steadily along the rest of the way, and, and we'll end up somewhere in that number 10 range of picks. Yeah. You know, yeah. and maybe even top the, 10. It, yeah. So at this point, I would probably say yes to that trade because then you have yeah. your starting point guard. You know, now you have Moutier, you have uh, Wes Matthews, you have Harrison Barnes. Um, we have the other pieces we talked about, and then you've got, um, you know, you've still got quite a bit of free, you know, uh, money on your cap for next season. That yeah. You can and go you out could... and, and find someone. Yeah. And you've got a, a kind of a more established younger core to, to play with. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think I would do the trade as well because, um, Keep in mind, he he's not from Dallas, but 
I think if he called anywhere his hometown right now, it would be Dallas because he went to SMU. Right. Right. And uh, so he's familiar. And then I think the Mavs are best at player development. And I'm just trying to match up, you know, uh, players' ages a bit. And I, the idea of Carlisle starting a 19-year-old point guard next year, whether it's the kid, that Frank kid from Germany or Alonzo Ball or whoever, it, there's still just this mismatched feeling of, like, progression. You know, where you've got Barnes taking that next step, and then you've got this rookie turning it over, and just we have to wait a couple of years for him to really show. And so, right now, would I take that? Sure, of course. But with Moutier, if they got him in here for like a half season, started working on his jumper by like mid-season next year, he might start to mesh with Barnes, you know, that much more with a. Wesley Matthews, and then we, you know, then a free agent looking at us is like, well, wait a second here. You know, you've got your point guard, you've got your power forward. You know, whether it's a Nerlens Noel or an Otto Porter, they're they're looking at us like, well, yeah, I could, I could be that next piece. This is there's a team here. You know, there's a culture. Yeah, that's when that's when the culture of the map can really shine because it's like, look how we've just rebuilt this thing in about two years, and. um We've got this good mix of, you know, vets and young players. And uh, you look at the bench then, too, with all those young guys we mentioned, you have this exciting bench of, like, Curry, Nowitzki, uh, Powell, Farrell, Finney Smith, uh, Justin Anderson. It, I don't know. It just looks more like a complete team. Uh, so, essentially, you're... Yeah, you're just lowering the risk with a lotto pick and just taking the sure thing. I, I think Moody would more right. sure thing. Yeah, yeah, and no, so, definitely uh, more established than than what we would get in the draft. I mean, we've seen, you know, someone yesterday was running down the the draft. I think it was, I think it was Blake Griffin's year, and the second pick that year was Hashim Tabit <laughs> oh, out of Utah. Yeah, who wow. just did nothing. And that's the number two pick. And at the time, yeah. it's like, oh, man, we got the number two pick. This is going to be great. And then it's like, wow, like he hardly yeah. plays in the NBA and then he's out of the league. So, so there's no guarantees. And I think if you've got a guy that, you know, has done a little something in the NBA, I, I think you're right, would mesh mesh better with Carlisle. And, and yeah, could really give us a jump start. Yeah. No, I like that move. We'll see what happens. Um, so normally, prediction. Prediction. Okay. Well, question prediction, right? Is okay. The next podcast we do will be next week, probably day of tra- trade deadline or day after trade deadline to kind of review. Yeah. So I think, uh, in, your, either, in your opinion, uh, Bogut, Williams, Harris, uh, how many of those guys are still on the Mavericks roster? Uh, one. Okay. Yeah, I think Darren Williams is still here. And I think uh I still like Devin Harris to the Cavs and I still like okay. Bogut to the Celtics. Some way somehow. Right. And I, I okay. think that happens. And I'll call my Moody trade a long shot, but um still a possibility, so could be looking at a, a different roster here next week. Uh, yeah, could be. And so, yeah, next week, let's look to uh, just kind of do a quick, we'll probably recap all the trades because we didn't even get into the Ibaka trade 
this week. But, yeah, um, some of the stuff that's happened are the Mason Plumley to Denver trade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk look, about that. We'll look at yeah. all those next week. That'll be good. And hopefully we'll talk some Mavs trade. That's right. In the meantime, go Wes Matthews this weekend. Yeah, do it. Go Mark Cuban. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right, until next week. Uh, this is Al at home, your Matt's at home, and this is the Mavs Podcast.